If you haven't had an identity crisis, it's coming. Since that's true, we ought to talk about it. That and more with the negligently adventurous Mr. Luke Linus, today on Mandate. And welcome, my friends, to another edition of Mandate. My name is Joe Obermuller. I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Mr. Ben Cruz. What's up, everybody? The Crusher. The Crusher. The Crusher. Next on the plate, Mr. Ben Crush. Great baseball name. Ben, good to be with you, as always. Hey, wonderful to be with you, Joe Obermuller. We got the microphones on today in the Grand Mandate Studios with our good friend Luke Linus. Thanks for being here today, Luke. Thanks for having me. The the introduction was uh, was um, intentionally vague, so you're going to have to talk a little (laughs) bit about being negligently adventurous. And maybe we should start there, huh? Yeah, I say we start there. I mean, look uh, to give people a little perspective. Uh, again, another CrossFit foes. Uh, shout out to the yeah, foes yeah. family. You bet. Uh, bringing on those people. We're all a little bit. Uh, we're a sum of a lot of different people. Yeah. Uh, and so Luke was in my relational world, and I wanted to bring Luke on because I'll tell you a quick story. So we're at foes. There are multiple coaches. There were a couple coaches that I gravitated towards and classes I went to just because. I was trying to get better as an athlete. And one day, which you traditionally didn't, you didn't do a lot of coaching, right? but you did a couple when you had to fill in. And it was the most intense training I've ever gotten. And in the moment, I was like upset with you. Like, what are you <laughs> doing to me right now? Like, I know how to do a back squat, bro. Yeah. And you were just giving me all these technique reminders. I'm like, Luke, get off my rear end, <laughs> man. Like, it's just a back squat. And I remember talking to your wife, Rachel, and being like, wow, he's intense. Hmm. He is an intense coach. And it was only one experience. Yeah. And she put it into perspective and was like, he literally is just, he knows you as an athlete. He's seen you, worked out with you. And instead of giving you giant cues, he's giving you small cues. Sure. Which is what you need. Yeah. So thank you. That's a cool perspective. I, I really haven't had anybody give me feedback like that. I mean, like the intensity thing, I understand, but. You, my my impression of myself is that I, I don't I don't know enough, or it used to be I didn't know enough yeah. to really help you out. Yeah, but it's cool to hear that. I would say you definitely did. You definitely did. Yeah. So, okay, Luke Linus, negligently negligent, negligently adventurous. You want me to define that? I want you to define that, and <laughs> we need to get into the amount of stuff that you've been through. Right, you're a young dude. Right, you're yeah, like early thirties. Yeah, and you've done a lot of things right business owner planting churches worship leader Mm -hmm. now you work for an an organization in town that does recruitment and you're doing all their marketing like what yeah yeah i don't i mean my life isn't glamorous but i i kind of feel like i'm have the secret life of walter mitty like i I don't know i didn't you asked me before the show did i did i think i would do everything that i've done and the answer is no i I don't think i had any idea you know i was a kid from a small town going to med school who ended up in Haiti for half a year and then on to ministry and business and training and videography and music and on all of it. And it's kind of, kind of wild. My wife and I did a, we just celebrated our 10 year anniversary. Yes. Congrats. Thank you. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, it's awesome. And, uh, we on our, on that date, we sat down and tried to recap every year. And I think we got to like five or six because there was so much stuff in that 10 years that, you know, it's just kind of incredible to think about all the things we've experienced. 
So let's go back then. You go. I didn't know this. You're in med school. No, I was. I applied to med school. Okay, that was kind of my lifelong dream was to be a doctor. Okay, and I drove home from my interview and said, "This is not what I want to do." And, and so then my whole like, life changed. I'll go to Haiti. Yeah, and you know, then I kind of went through a lot of big changes. Um, and uh, and yeah, we we had an opportunity to go to Haiti and serve as missionaries down there, and that was like literally we spent the senior year of college learning Haitian Creole and prepping for the move, and we moved indefinitely. And uh, ended up coming back six months later, four or five months later, without jobs, without a house, without anything, and started over. So, yeah, didn't expect that coming. So you, you're you a missionary. You're going to go live in Haiti. You, yeah, we you were going to go Rachel, live in your Haiti. Wife, your wife's Rachel. Yep. Yep. And you're going to go live there. Yep. And you're thinking like, And her whatever. parents were like, what, what, what is this? <laughs> right. And do what? What are you going to do there? Yeah, we. I mean, our thing was like, we wanted to just, um, you know, we felt called by the Lord to go. Uh, we didn't have all the answers, but we were gonna. We went down with an organization, which is very different now. Uh, now it's Mission Haiti, um, and uh, we were gonna go down and really just. We had a heart for the young adults who were kind of this like they're not quite working age and they're not quite youngsters. They're kind of in the middle, and they didn't have a lot of like opportunity and um, accountability and mentorship. And we just wanted to get in with that crew and and love them and support them and. We just didn't know. You know, we found out later that, like, living in Haiti is really hard, and you kind of need to be there a really long time to get deep with people. Because there's a trust barrier there? Big trust barrier, yeah. Because you're white? Yep. Is that kind of what uh, it's... Yeah, I think just culturally. Yeah. Culturally, that's kind of the way it is, and um, there's been a really brutal relationship, I, I would say, between the U.S. and Haiti, and it's still happening today, you know, if you watch the news. Um yeah, so there's a lot of a lot of mistrust and a lot of confusion, and um, it was hard to hard to hard to really like get to know people well. So you you talk about these big things that happened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so ten thousand feet. Yeah. And does does that happen pre Haiti or post Haiti? Big things, yeah. Like big changes. Yes. Uh, kind of happened middle of college where I started to, you know, for me, like a big step was like for me, my putting my faith in Jesus Christ. That was a big part of my story. And that kind of was a big turning point from the way I lived my life before to kind of starting over. Like I felt like a a baby again. So I kind of had to learn a new way of life. And that kind of throws me into the whole identity thing of like, I, I don't really know who I was anymore. And it took a long time to figure that out because you lived 18 years of your life prepping for this one moment, which was like, I had this vision of myself as a med school student with a golden retriever, like white picket fence, living the living the life, kids, yeah, yep. buying a road bike instead of a Camaro, you know, like I don't know, I just had this picture of myself, you know, um, you know, I thought about even you know Doctors Without Borders, something that you know would make me great in in the eyes of all, um, and then you have that entire thing go away, like that thing that you'd worked your whole life for is now no longer there. And it just like, it really, it took me a long time to really like unwind from that. And it kind of left me with that open landscape where then I, I filled it with a lot of different things, trying to figure out like, what, what do I do with this life? What, what am I, what am I going to do now? What, what am I going to put my energy toward? Um, and so, yeah, I think that a part of that contributed to the lot of different experiences that I had because I've always been a curious person. I've always been a very creative person and, and I've always wanted to, experience new things and um yeah the last 
30 years or 15 years of my life have really shown a lot of different experiences. So let's go into those. Yeah. So you come back to Haiti. You got nothing here. Yep. Right. You come, are you coming back to South Dakota? We came back to Aberdeen and then we lived with some friends in Sioux Falls and, um, I, Rachel started coaching. So that was actually the beginning of the whole CrossFit gym experience. Mm-hmm. She started head coaching for a small gym and, and I jumped in with a couple of guys that had mentored me previously and, and, uh, helped serve a, a discipleship ministry called primary. And that birthed a whole chapter of adventures, like a band, Tim Man Revival. We were a, a band, uh, ministry, um, shift 115, which is a worship collective in Sioux Falls with Seth Dekinga. Kind of a lot of different little dabbles there of, um, kind of being a part of the discipleship scene and, and music scene and um, trying to find new ways to do ministry outside of maybe the traditional norms of church life, I suppose. So you get into how, how music plays a huge role in, always has, in yeah. your life. Yeah. So it had, that had always been there. That's the one thread that likely made it from pre-Luke, pre-Jesus Luke to post Jesus for Luke. sure. Music has always it's been, but it's done different things in my life, but it's always been there, and I think that's why I always try to make time for it. Um, it's one of those things that makes me feel most alive, for sure, hundred percent. So making it, uh, writing, where are you getting the creative juices to write music? Because you write your own music, right? I do. Yep. You produce your own music. You yeah, for the most part. Um, you know, I put out an EP last year, which was kind of my first solo project of that nature. And I, I really went all in, you know, I had some friends put together some funds to like sponsor it, which was huge. You know, it, it basically allowed me to do it how I wanted to do it. Um, and, and I think, uh, yeah, a lot of the songs that I write, you know, for better, or for worse tend to, or at least the songs that I've written previously have been more out of that place of wrestle and confusion and um, depression and, and kind of the wonderings of a person who's 20 and, and feels like I didn't think life was going to be this hard as a 20 year old. Like nobody prepped me for that. And I don't, I don't know how you prep anybody for that, but I just did not see that coming mm-hmm. at all. Um, and it hit hard. And I think, you know, so a lot of, a lot of those songs and a lot of my passion, I think comes out of that place of wrestle of, you know, who am I and, and, and what's my identity and what are the things that I'm working toward? And, you know, am I a people pleaser? Or am I an adventurer? Am I a, um, am I a songwriter or am I a, um, you know, meant to do something more service oriented? It was just kind of like, I don't know. I got all this stuff. I got, I, I've always felt like this sounds maybe really jaded, but like, I've always felt like, um, maybe I've been gifted with a lot of talent and a lot of the ability to like do a lot of different things. And that comes with its own downside, which is kind of like, every day you wake up with a table full of options. And I know that's not everybody and and that's a different thing. I'm not complaining about the opportunity that I have, but it's just some, and in times in my life, it's just made for a very confusing road of like, what what the heck do I do with my time? Yeah. That can be paralyzing in some sense. For sure. Because you're not sure which one to choose and you're, I don't know if this is you or not, but being afraid of making the wrong choice. hundred percent. I've been afraid of making the wrong choice most of my life. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking so much about, you know, I'm with college students a lot. Yeah. You know, so when they, when, when they approach graduation, it's just tremendous amount of pressure externally and internally to know what you're going to do next yep. and kind of, uh, prove to others that you have 
been successful in college, you know, and so there's yep. all this pressure to like go out there and do something. And yet there's a lot of fear underneath that too. And, and so you mentioned, you know, be, being equipped for that. I mean, yeah. the same story for me of, of leaving college and just being ill-equipped for that. And how do you equip someone? And I think it's, it's putting yourself in positions where you are actively and Ben and me, we're actively pouring into guys that are doing that right now who yeah. are 20 or 21 and and they think they have it all together but we know they don't because yep. we tried that once and it didn't yep. work out very well yeah. and so do you find that you're able to do that or do you find that you're able to contribute or or invest in yeah i've had different ways of doing that uh, over the years especially you know like right now i feel like i'm in a stride that i haven't been in my entire life but even toward the end of my 20s, as things started to really shift for me and, you know, I, I, I actively sought out counseling and I actively sought out people to listen and, and help me navigate that. I think a lot of those things that I now tell younger guys or, or gals like, you know, it's OK to not have it figured out. You know, I came from that generation of like no knock on my parents or anybody else, but like where it's kind of like you do the one thing and you set your mind on something and you do it till you die. And like, you know. It, that that if you don't have that put together that you're somehow broken and uh and and so for me it's like kind of telling people like it's okay that you don't have it figured out and it's okay that in your 20s i think it's what i've realized now on the other side of that is like it's such a crucial time in life that's not it's not like a dangerous time in life it's a crucial time in life it's an opportunistic time in life because you are unraveling from the way you were raised where now you're coming out of the nest in, 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 you know, mm -hmm. in a way, or you're coming out of a degree, you know, the kind of colleges tend to be very different environments. Right. And then you get in the real world and all of a sudden it's like, man, the things that I thought don't line up with the things that I learned. And now those two things are intention. And I think that's why the twenties for me was so tumultuous and why it is for many and why, you know, there's kind of like, I guess maybe psychology is showing that there's that kind of early onset midlife crisis that happens now very regularly because you're unpacking your entire childhood and now you're, you're throwing it at a new job or a family or kids or whatever. And it, it naturally is going to create tension and you now have the opportunity. I now see it as an opportunity to rediscover who you really are and what is the person underneath that everything you piled on as a kid and what who is that person that that that's under there you know underneath the expectations of your parents or your hometown or your college professors or whatever who is that and and what does that person really want to be and, and what do they want to achieve and what what are they how do they really tick and and so for me you know i could i i, I may go off the rails here a little bit but go i think it. a lot of that for me i i was trained so much of my life to be a thinker when in reality, my way of interacting with the world is through intuition. I'm a gut person, but I was always like told I had to be a head person. And I, you know, looking back, I just wish I would have relied on my gut more to be like, I don't have the answer to this. I don't know what the next step is. I'm going to try it. I'm going to go for it. Because that's how I live my life now is like, I don't, you know, I try to be smart and reason it's a gift from God, but like to also just be like, it's okay to lean into your intuition or lean into your gut feeling on something and go for it. And if it totally fails, great. That's like money in the bank, right? Failure is right. like money in the bank. 
It, it gives you opportunity to learn. It gives you perspective. Gives you growth, and I was always so afraid of that. Isn't that funny? Because because that's like uh, that's like a key point in college, right? Where or and, and probably in high school too, where where you have mentors and teachers who mm-hmm. are who are trying to say failure is actually a really great option. Yeah, but nobody you know? believe, like nobody at that age is really able to be like, yeah, okay. I know right. because I don't think the the people who are teaching that model it. Yeah, I don't think as adults because adults are afraid of failure too. And so if, if your students, if people around you never see you fail, then what you're saying isn't actually true. Right. And it is unpleasant to be in a, a situation <laughs> like that. You know, I can think of lots of situations, uh, you know, in productions I'm working on or whatever, because I like to do, you know, I like to do new, new things and try new things. Yep. And a lot of times they don't work out the way that I want them to, you know? So yep. I'm just thinking about different moments where I just have to laugh at myself. And I'll never forget one time uh, backstage watching a pr- production and there was this moment in the show that kept happening and it was just not, it was not right. And I sort of dreaded the moment every night because it was so dumb. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it was dumb. And we tried a new way to do it every single night. And I'm standing backstage for the, for the final show and the moment is coming up and I'm just cringing about this moment. And one of my students is standing next to me and she goes, and the moment happens that it's so dumb. And she goes, well, you can't win them all, you know? So she like, <laughs> she, knew. she knew, you know, and it was just kind of a cool moment of like, yeah, that's what that's like. You know, that was a horrible moment and I failed at figuring out how to do right. that. So sorry. Yeah. But, I mean, but some of it is that, you know, you, we kind of talked about it before you, you kind of described me as intense. And I think like that's the, not the grievance I have with my childhood, but like that I was just far too serious. That's right. You know, and like I laugh more now than I ever, never have. And maybe I'm probably still intense, but like, you know, some of it is that like that ability to like relax and accept failure and laugh and be and, and laugh at yourself and laugh, laugh at, you know, kind of the journey. It's just not something I learned um, and not something that I, I did well. And, and so that's kind of the other thing is like, that's a hard thing to teach people. But on the other side of that, you learn how to just laugh and, and enjoy um, enjoy the process. You know, the other thing that I think is really important, this is kind of philosophical, but it's something that I'm actively working through now. You know, um, I've gotten into triathlon training over the last couple of years and kind of funny for me, like CrossFit was a part of my life more because my wife did it. And I think everybody kind of knew that <laughs> deep down that <laughs> like that was her thing. Like yeah. I was kind of this scrawny guy coaching classes and I put my whole heart into it. And I love coaching. I love I love people. I love coaching. Uh, I love everything that it represents. But from from an enjoyment perspective, I didn't really enjoy CrossFit. And and for me, I've 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 just rediscovered something that I grew up doing all the time, which was biking, and that kind of led into running and then swimming, and then now I'm really, 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 really enjoying triathlon. But something that I'm learning through that um, is kind of realizing that like if you want to do something. Um, you know, you really do have to enjoy it because I think I've done far too many things in my life where everything, the thing that I was doing was just a means to a different end. And, and maybe, you know, some people call that kind of that pure motivation, like where you're truly motivated to do something because you just love it. And maybe that's coaching, maybe that's teaching, maybe that's athletics, maybe that's a uh, songwriting. Um, you do it because at the end of the day, if nobody else heard that song or nobody else listened to this podcast, right, you love it and it's worth doing to you. That's a pure motivation. And I feel like I, 
I just did so many things in my life that were kind of like means to an end, like mm-hmm. means to building a reputation or um, appearing a certain way before God, people, whoever, um, doing something to please my wife, because if she's happy, then my whole life is great. You know, like to, to really kind of rediscovering as an adult, what are those things that truly motivate me? And what are the things that I truly enjoy? And so as you talk about kind of, you know, I think that's like the weird thing as a, as a college student is, you know, everybody's like, grandma's like, Hey, just do something that, that you love. And (laughs) you're like, I don't know what I love because I'm a conflicted 20 year old with an identity crisis. But I'm going to, but I'm going to appear that I'm going to pretend like I love this. And then in a year I'm going to love something else. Right. Uh, So I I say that kind of like knowing that that advice may land not as well with a group of people that's kind of still like struggling to figure out what they do love. Mm -hmm. But I think the moment that you can identify, I really love that. And and it's kind of that pure motivation. It's not for anything else. Then I think those things will really blossom in your life. At least they have in mind. And also the recognition that I, I appreciate what you said about not knowing. It's like, well, what do what you love to do? I have no idea what I love to do. There's, yeah. uh, there's different things that I like doing, but I can't imagine what it would look. I don't know. You well, know, that yeah. your whole life is completely structured up until that point. Right. right. Especially at, like the way we do education. Correct. Is all, you know, let's call it what it is. You know, there's liberal arts education out there. You're getting a vast identity of, of multiple different things. Exactly. Yeah. But we're not giving people actual experiences for them to fall on their face. Right. Or for them to triumph. Sure. And be like, I really love this. Mm -hmm. Because I can't say like, the class that I loved the most in college was speech. Hmm. I don't have a clue what to do with that. What do you do? (laughs) I'd like to be a speecher. (laughs) A speecher. A professional speecher. (laughs) That's right. What? You know? So I just feel like the, the system is a little bit broken. And so I think, Luke, what you're really trying to say is, and correct me if I'm wrong, in your college experience, in your high school experience, you have a lot of opportunity to fall on your face. And it might not have anything to do with high school or college. Just experiences. You need to go out and get those. I just read a wonderful article. I believe it was New York Times. And it was about uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn put out this giant forum to anyone that was over 60 there's this giant group of people that are retiring and it was what do you wish you could have told your 20 year old self Mm. and the most common thread was your 20s are made to fall on your face yeah go out and change jobs four five six seven times quit listening to us when we're saying hey we stuck we stuck Mm -hmm. it out at amazon for our entire career because we were loyal right and some of the people can do that right right however they're saying, no, use your 20s as a platform to find out what your true yeah, pure, motiva- pure motivation is. Yep. Don't view it disgruntled like what we did yep. or what our parents did. Yeah, and I don't know how that's supposed to go, but but I think given the way that we are raised and the way that we go through the school system and then out into the world, that yeah, there's no other time in your life where you can truly explore to that degree like your early 20s. And that goes for everything. That goes for your you know, asking hard questions about your faith that mm-hmm. goes to asking hard questions about the way you were raised or developed as a kid. Um, you know, digging deep into maybe some of the hurts you experienced as a kid and setting yourself up for a healthier midlife. You know, like I, I just think it's an incredible, it's the only time in my head, unless you're, 
I don't know, on it earlier, <laughs> yeah. where you can actually experience those things and right. truly experience them without any kind of like handholding. Right. You know, you're truly, you got to do it. You're out there. So let's, I, you know, one thing I'd really like to get into, and the one thing that our audience seems to love is a little bit of secret into your life. Sure. So what I mean by that is give us one, possibly two failures that you hit in your 20s that you you viewed them as a failure then and or society viewed them as a failure and now you're being perspective and looking back and saying no it got me to where I am today sure I, I don't know I think uh, a lot of the things that I've been a part of have uh, worked I guess is is from an outside perspective you know so some of the things that have happened in the last 10 years would be like had a couple kids um we uh started a, a gym a business which honestly didn't really make a lot of money so th- that in a sense is like it's not a failure to me because we changed a lot of lives and we were we built a community and that was really what we knew we were doing um but on the outside like yeah we're not any really better off than we were then um you know, we I planted a church with a friend of mine, uh, Daniel Bruns, and I stepped out after three years, and COVID kind of like crushed that that church plant. It's still going, and, and, and it looks very different than it did when it started. But, you know, I, I'd say some of the failures are things that people would never know about. You know, the failures were things like uh, broken relationships and um, uh, failure to, to communicate on my end or, or, or communicate my needs with people. Um, or, uh, can you walk us through one of those relationships? Yeah. You don't have to. Um, Again, this is one of those golden moments on mandate when you know, audience that we don't prepare these. <laughs> that's these right. Awesome guests. For I these do questions. feel underprepared for that. <laughs> yeah. I, d- I just learned, I won't, I won't speak to one situation. I'll speak to a couple because they're fair. I think, I think, uh, yeah, I, I just had to learn some really hard lessons about communicating. You know, I think I've I didn't learn that growing up. Uh I didn't really learn that you need to you need to really talk through things in the moment and not wait till later or you know, I I'm a stuffer. You know, I kinda just always stuff things and um yeah, I just experienced some real brokenness in that and, and kind of made me my cycle with relationships unfortunately in my life has been like you know, I'm super dedicated. I'm super loyal. I'm like all in. And I let myself kind of, um, get too involved at the cost to myself. And, um, you know, I think I'm doing the right thing in that. And then all of a sudden I start to realize that I'm suffering and then I don't have the courage to maybe say what I want to say or put up some boundaries or communicate something. And the only way that I know how to deal with that is to run away. And uh, I've done that with uh, with a number of people in my life, and it's caused a lot of hurt. And um, I've had to learn some real hard lessons in that. M- multiple people, and 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 you know, especially when it's from somebody like me who I, I do really care about relationships, and I care about genuineness and authenticity. And I don't have a, I know a lot of people. Like the things that we've been in, involved in, I just know a lot of people, but I'm not friends with everyone. Um, so it, I, I think I had to learn a lot about vulnerability and communication and um what what does it really mean to be a friend um uh what does it mean to be a a a partner a business partner um how do you establish that you know lots of failure that 
you know, had multiple business partners and learned a lot through those experiences. And, and honestly, yeah, I didn't handle those how I would now, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of missteps there that either communication or expectations or not setting things up like before we, we got going that really bit hard that, 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 that are like, no one would really know those on the outside, but internally or in my life story, those were like the biggest things to me. And I can't think of anything else in my life where, you know, I'm a performer, like I, I play music and I do all kinds of things. And yeah, it really affects me if like I did a bad, if I perform poorly, but I don't think it has the kind of emotional response to me if someone is disappointed in me or someone is hurt by me. I cannot think of a harder thing for me to cope with. So I think that's where those were some of the big failures and those are some of the big points that, you know, I'm still having to work through. You know? And I resonate with so much of Same. what you just described. It's Same. unbelievable. Yeah, it, I'll, I'll match it. I mean, I, that's, I had to go through essentially and something you and I talk about, Joe. I had to find myself again as well because what I was doing in my early 20s was I wanted to be this big successful business person. Mm. And so all I did was get in a relationship with people that could, would be promoters of me. Sure. And so using them for for my gain. Yep. And then once I got what I wanted from them or found out that I they were not going to be useful, I just ditched them. Yeah. And so I was originally in my early 20s someone that would have lots of acreage of relationships, yep. but there'd be no roots. Right. And I had to completely change my philosophy to relationship to be like, if I'm going to walk down that path, I am going, I'm, I am suffering. I'm going to lose because I'm just going to, there's just carnage behind me. Yep. And now I'm like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go deep with like three or four people and I'll probably make some people mad because I'm not going to let them in, but I can only be in true relationship with a few people Yep. now. And that's all, that's, that's how I work now, which is. I was a people pleaser. I was in the theater in high school and I was an athlete and I, you know, I had tons of relational people or f- quote unquote friends, Yep. but I would use them for myself. Ben, was it. there, was there a moment that happened that, that sort of, uh, you know, woke you up to that? No question. Uh, I was in Florida. Reese was, we were on vacation. Reese, uh, it was our first vacation with an infant and I was making Sarah do all of the work. And she straight up called me out and was like, you are using me. Hmm. You are using me. You're not participating. You know, I was off drinking with my brother-in-law and playing cribbage and doing all the fun stuff. Like I was there on vacation. I was vacationing Mm -hmm. and I was letting, I was making her do all the work. And she's like, you signed up for this, my friend, Mm -hmm. that child needs you. And I'm not going to do, I'm not going to sit here and let her cry all night and me have to do all the work. And I was like, that, that was a pivotal moment in my life. And yeah, it made me huge. think like, okay, I'm now I'm using my wife. Like yep. I'm using the, my best friend for my advantage. Yep. And from there on, I, I really, I lost a lot of friendships because of it. Yeah. But were they really friendships? Meaning I, I'm at fault here, right? I'm the one that I was just using that right. person and They're calling them propped friend. up by you. Yeah. yeah. And so I had to have a philosophical change in my world of relationships. Well, and I, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for my wife and I know you guys probably feel the same way because they're the ones who can draw that stuff out probably better mm-hmm. than anybody else. Like when yeah. you're talking about, about communication problems right. and, and that sort of thing, my goodness, man, I, w- 
if I could figure out how to solve that problem within myself, I, w- mm-hmm. I would do it. But yeah. it's just taken me years to even become aware of the ways that I fail in that. Yep. And um, and even back, and that's, that's what's so fascinating, which, which is kind of what I wanted to transition to here, is that if, if these things, these things are true, right? These things are true for us when we're 18. Yeah. And if we don't think about them or deal with them or talk to other people about them, they're true for us when we're 40 or 60 or 80 or whatever. They're, these are just they're going to stick with you if you don't, if you never address it. And so this is one of those areas for me where when I was in, in my twenties, I was just way too prideful to reveal to anyone that I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. And, um, and so scared of, of, um, being rejected, you know, of just like, Oh, well that was when you said people being disappointed in you. Right. And it's like, man, that's heavy. That's a heavy weight to carry. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my wife has just helped me so much to, to, communicate better to call me out when it's like no you you don't <laughs> you need to tell me more details about this you know like yep. you, you can't just give me like a five sentence headline oh i'm terrible at that my wife's like okay that sounds very general now let's <laughs> oh do the God. next the next so version funny. that's right but i but i think the the point uh maybe this is a, an aside but i think for me those two things the two things we're really talking about here are kind of the identity piece and the the relational piece which i can't think of two more important things Couldn't in our more. human life, right? Couldn't but for me, more. those things were so confusing that it kind of went hand in hand. You know, like I needed I needed to separate myself from people to really understand who I am because early on it was always Im- enmeshed with what people wanted me to be. That's right. So then that kind of creates this weird thing with relationships as an adult where you're like, I don't know, I don't really want to be around you anymore because I'm trying to figure out who I am. But then once you start to understand what you want and what you, who you are and, and some of the things that really drive you and, and what are the things that are kind of propped up, well, then you can re-enter into authentic relationship with people because now you know, you know, you kind of know who who you really are and what you're after and, and what's a pure motivation and what's just a means to an end. And you can actually communicate that with people. I just think it I didn't learn that early on and I never had it modeled and, and I don't know that anybody even modeled that for me now, but to, to, it took a lot of work of almost like separating myself from community, which like, that's like, don't do that. Right. I mean, like there's kind of that, like we shouldn't be isolated. We shouldn't be American individualists, at least in some of the circles that I come from, you know, you need community, you need each other. And for me, I needed to like not for a while to really figure out, okay, like, this is who I am without anybody else's influence. Then I can participate in a way that's actually healthy for them and for me. I So the only thing, this is going to be weird, and I have no perspective in this because I'm not indigenous, but I'm, I'm thinking like the when you think of like Native American culture or you think of um, Indian culture, that's what they, right? You, you would be a part of the community as a young mm-hmm. person. And then if you were going to be a warrior, you have to go out on your own. A vision quest. You, yeah. Exactly. You have to bring something back mm-hmm. that is going to be useful for the community. So that's, I feel like that's a, that's where I'm going here. Yeah. Is you have to go, you can't, you, we can't live without community. You're born into that. You're, if you're in healthy relationships, you're part of that community, but you don't know yourself. You need to go out. You need to isolate. Yeah. And you need to find yourself so that you can now find out here's what I'm really good at. Here's what I can provide to the community rather than just being a part of it. Yeah. I'm not saying that as a prescription for me. That's, that's how I function. I I'm function in isolation, but I know that, 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 that maybe not everybody's journey. Well, yeah. it's the difference between, 
having an intention for that versus wandering versus yeah, just, just like being aloof. I'm going to abandon everybody and, mm-hmm. and run away from all of this stuff. I think there's that's a weird fine line, you know, mm-hmm. but um Yeah, I don't know how I don't know that that's what I'm saying. I'm being kind of open and honest with this like it's an experiment. My life is still an experiment, right? Right. <laughs> I've and learned I- a lot through that. I've I've caused a lot of hurt by that, but for me it's been the only way that I've truly been able to figure out you know, what are the real motivators in me? And I think and then, that's a lifelong journey, right? That's a lifelong learner. You have to continue to do that, right? Just because yeah. maybe, Luke, you're, you're in the job of, of a lifetime. You've gotten rid sure. of some stuff on the side. Yep. That doesn't give you an excuse to stop searching. Right. Right. Even though you're your happiest, you don't know right now what could be the next happiest or fulfillment. Oh, man. 100%. You have to keep going you keep growing but i think that my perspective on growth is different now correct i've like i grew so much and so hard in my 20s that i said i'm done growing i said i need a break from growing i need a break from the pre the the, the pressure and the and the, the discovery and the searching and the wrestling i think we all just need a break from that for a while but it never does it does not stop right but i think the perspective is I know what's on the other side of that. Like I know what's on the other side of healing or I know what's on the other side of a hard conversation with a friend. I know what's on the other side of setting up some boundaries or maybe moving on from a friendship. I know what's on this other side of taking a risk and potentially seeing a payoff, right? Where now it's like, bring it on, right? That That's my perspective now yeah. because I know that it's good. Before I think it was like I feared that kind of growth because it's it just feels hard right and so i think that's kind of the advice for everybody is like no matter whether you're you know 60 or, or 20 or whatever, like any stage of your life you never have the you always have the opportunity to grow and like right now you know so i started a job i am doing something totally different just to kind of add one more piece to the pie here like i made a massive career change you know in a pandemic <laughs> With my second child coming, I I told the church I was going to move on from ministry, full-time ministry. I wanted to take a job in the creative arts. I started my own business, um, videography business, with a friend of mine in January of 2020, three weeks before COVID hit, and it just destroyed it. You know, So here's this moment where I took a huge risk. I finally did something that I feel like, man, I really want to do this. I'd worked a year to really train under the camera to really know what to do and had gotten some clients. I'm like, this is it. This is like my moment to do the thing that I want to do. And it all came crashing down. But what, what, what came after that was the opportunity to work for GPAC, which is a recruiting firm here in Sioux Falls. And I essentially get to do that, you know, times 10. So I'm, I'm their in-house guide videography and, um, and directing and, um, and and it's a really great great job and 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 that's but the reason i'm bringing that up is because i went from you know full-time ministry to now like a full-time plus job with two kids and at the time my wife had her own business so it's like oh i don't i have zero capacity for anything else right now and on if i'm being really honest during that first year i said no to a lot of digging or i said no to a lot of like growth because I was growing so much during the day, I was being stretched, I was being pulled, I was learning, I had to learn a new skill set, I had to learn a new group of people, a new industry, every single day to, to kind of build the thing that we built to today. 
and I said, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not ready to do that. But you know what? Like now, now that things have kind of like settled down and then like they've gotten a little bit more stable. Now I can tell my heart's opening up to maybe a few more people or it's opening up to like, um, you know, maybe challenging some things that I know are kind of broken in my life or, or need, need some attention or some hurts or whatever. Like I need to pay attention to those now Mm -hmm. and I have a little more capacity. And I think that's the other thing that I would say to people is like, it's okay. It's, it's, it's okay to not be okay, but it's also okay to like take your time. Not every stone in your life has to be overturned all at once. Right. And it's okay to be strategic and, and be like, you know what? Like my heart's ready to turn that rock over. I'm going to go, I'm going to go dig that up. See what's under there, you know? But like, you don't have to like solve. We're just not, we don't have to solve all of our problems. That's not what we're made to do. Yeah. It's, uh, I just listening to you talk. It reminds me of, of just the, the blessing of being able to recognize the seasons of life that we're in. hundred percent. Yep. And it takes some time to, develop that awareness and then to, you know, recognize, you know, like, Oh, this is a, this is a season of life that is, is fruitful and, and good. And I'm so thankful for that. And it, and it probably won't last for the rest of my life, you know, and there'll be other seasons, but, right. But that, uh, allowing that, that time to happen. And, um, that's pretty awesome. And so my friends, we have, gotten to that point of the conversation where we got to wrap it up. I can't Dang. believe it. All right. I feel so like we were just getting going. I know. Uh, I guess the last question I have, and I know we have the ability to go super deep, but you're, you've brought up creative arts. And one thing, Luke, that I, when I promote you and I promote your music to other people, yeah. I always talk about the lyrics sure. in your music. So that's, a, that's something that I have never been able to do. I've tried. And, and it's turned into journaling for me. And it's just me just yeah. write, writing yeah. down stuff. Yep. Really, for me, I have a little mole skin, skin, and it's really just a historical perspective. Like, here's what's going on in my life. Here's what's going on in my wife's and my kids. And yep. I want my kids. I always write at the end, and I love you. And I know you're looking at this. Mm. And so I'm, I'm hoping oh, that cool. one day I can pass That's it cool. on. So where I'm getting with that is how do you create music? How do you create lyrics? Like, what is yeah. that in a, you know, five minutes? What, what does, how does that process even sure. go about? Um, you know, I had an opportunity to, to, to learn under some pretty amazing songwriters, some Grammy artists in a, a worship school I participated in, in Atlanta called 10,000 Fathers. That was really where my songwriting took a huge turn because they gave me the framework for songwriting. And so I learned a lot more of the actual rhyming structures and what's possible. And it kind of blows your mind to like out of your limited understanding of what makes a song a song, you know? So I, I was equipped with a lot of those things and there's some fantastic books out there that actually, you know, like Jeff Tweedy writes a book, like how to write a song, how to write one song. It's a great way to like, if you, even if you're not a songwriter to like learn the process. But for me, and, and just kind of like I'm a working man and I've got two kids and I have very limited time songs. Um, they're not necessarily like um, the muse thing, like where it's right. like you pull it down from the clouds and everything. But honestly, it, sometimes it's just like I'm in a, I'm in a mood or a vibe as the kids say these days. And I just start like, I start writing typically out of a metaphor. So it's kind of like a, a place in time or, or a scene that I have in my head. And I kind of just put myself in that place and I start writing 
some thoughts and usually a couple lines. And then I honestly, I just build the whole song from there. And I think my songwriting is very different now where it's not, it's not so brainiac, like trying to make everything fit. It's kind of back to the original conversation we had, which is that intuition. I let songs be the songs that they are now. It's almost like I let it be what it's going to be. I don't try to overthink it, you know, so I'm releasing a single here in a, in a couple of weeks and the song is called Ride and it's it's really about wanting to, it was a song written in COVID where, you know, I'm, I'm just like all the things I just listed, new kids, new job, stresses of pandemic, everything, just like every turn polit- politics, you know, like every turn you have these hard decisions to make. And I was just like, you know what? I've been driving real hard, but sometimes I just want to sit in the back seat and just ride. And that's mm. what this song is about. Cool. And it just, I just let that whole song happen. I didn't try to change the feel or the instruments. I just literally wrote it how I felt like it should be written. And that's, that's kind of how I do every song uh, now. That's a good teaser for the, the single. There you so go. How, yeah. How the shameless folks, plug. Yeah. It's fantastic. Cause I'm going to, I want to know too. So tell yeah. us how to, where to find you and how to. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I have a website, lukelinus.com kind of where, you know, I, I don't update it a ton, but it's kind of the, the place for, for everything. And then, uh, you can find me on Amazon, Spotify, every streaming service under my name. And Luke is pretty self-explanatory. Tell us about Linus. L Y N A S S. Ah, there we go. Yeah, that's good. Okay. It's uh, Irish. <laughs> Luke, thanks for being <laughs> with us today. Uh, Mr. Ben, is having a cough attack. He is, Serious. but I'm waiting for him, and now he's going to tell you how to get in touch with us. Hey, always, we love the emails, uh, mandatepod at gmail.com. You can find us on the Insta, mandatepod. Look for the orange sticker, uh, and uh, you can find us on Twitter and Patreon. Look up mandatepod or mandatepodcast. Thanks for being with us today. We'll see you next time on Mandate.